from regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The in-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello. Yes, we are back, Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. It is I, Steve Ajotter, and joining me, as always, is Jake Wachoba and Armand Fai. Fellas, boy, is it good to be back. How we doing? I'm doing good, Steven. I'm alive. I feel good. I'm alive, too. I think you and I are both alive for the same reason, Armand, after a... Yeah, uh, after a, a, hangovers. That's what just, they're yeah, doing. Let's, let's just, just get a, it out a, there. They're nursing a fun, hangovers. A fun weekend. A fun weekend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, fun, uh, fun in the moment, but you know, a couple of days later, uh, the recovery is coming in really badly right now. So, hydration is key, guys. Hydration is key. Very key. Uh, listeners, we got a special announcement. Yes, in the next several months, we'll be focusing more on MLS. Don't worry, we'll still be covering other issues pertaining to U.S. soccer, but just want to put an emphasis on Major League Soccer. Plus, we got a new logo coming out, so stay tuned. This week, we'll be dropping that. Listeners, if you haven't done so, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. Jake and Armand, on today's episode, Carlos Vela's unbelievable form and why it's important. Is Atlanta United the best team in the East? Plus, new segment, Armand's two stars and one sucker. And guys, since we're going to focus more on MLS, we're calling this an MLS re-entry Monday. Listeners, join the conversation. We want to hear your feedback. And wow, there's been so much going on in Major League Soccer since the last time we talked. And honestly, the last time we did talk was an episode with Joseph Lowry. There's been a ridiculous amount of things that happened in MLS in the last couple of, I would say a couple of months, right, Steven? Like, it's it's been a little bit, yeah? Yeah. I mean, Jake, tell us the things that we've kind of glanced over the last several months. Well, guys, there's been a, just a, a laundry list of things. LAFC, they're rolling. On top of the Western Conference, as of today, we're recording this uh, before the Seattle Sounders sporting Kansas City match on Sunday night. LAFC sit 14 points clear of Minnesota United, who are in second place in the Western Conference. Uh, LAFC has got 52 points, so that's that's pretty crazy. They're they're on a they're on a good roll. You got Zlatan Ibrahimovic's comments a few weeks ago, where he basically calls out MLS, calls out U.S. Soccer, says Carlos Vela sucks. He's he's the best player in the league. Minnesota United making the playoffs as the second seed. That seems kind of crazy. I don't think any of us really thought that would have been a possibility when the, Did when you, the season Jake? started. Did you? No, I thought they'd be about a, a seven, six, five, somewhere in that area. 
and they, they still they very well can because you know between the uh, between the second seed and the the seventh seed there's a five point difference right there so it's still possible but as a Minnesota United fan it's nice to see them at the top of the standings and speaking of the top of the standings in the West San Jose after losing their four opening matches they are red hot who who would have thought that one you would have seen this turnaround and two that they be regarded as one of the best teams in MLS. Matias Almeida's done a great job there. Frank DeBoer seems to be losing control of the Atlanta United locker room. More on that later. And my apology letter. He's going to come on and say it. This was a bad take. I was trying to be contrarian, trying to be different, trying to go on a limb. FC Cincinnati's trash. Yeah. That's well, it. Firing Alec Cock admitted to a two-year rebuilding plan. An expansion team already committed to a two-year rebuilding plan. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, I, I can tell you as a fan of an expansion team, we're on a three-year plan, and year three is looking pretty good right now. But wow. And last but not least, rumors on the Super League down the road. We have new expansion teams coming into MLS and CBA negotiations as those kick off later on this fall. Guys, let's let's jump right into it. Let's get to our question of the day. Listeners, give us your thoughts at Pod. What is on your mind regarding MLS? Steven, let's start with you. Guys, I, I think this is a very important note. And I'm stealing Joseph Lowry's take. It was on Twitter several weeks back, I think. When it comes to expansion clubs or when it comes to these bottom feeder MLS clubs, it is more important to find the right man to lead the charge of that club than it is to sign three DPs. Case studies, the New England Revolution and the San Jose Earthquakes. Two managers walk into a situation with not a lot of roster turnover, and they have been fantastic. San Jose won four games last year, then started this season with four straight losses. But Mateus Almeida has got this team rolling. And this man marking has the league bleeping themselves because they just don't know how to handle it. Meanwhile, the New England Revolution just had 11 unbeaten. Played actually a pretty good game against the best team in the league in LAFC this past weekend. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of spiciness with these two clubs. And it just illustrates that get the right coach. Get the right person in charge of the club and then fill in the players. Because you can have three DPs. Ask FC Cincinnati. They spent some money on that roster, right? We were led to believe that, or at least Jake was led to believe that they, they made transactions in the offseason. But they didn't have the right man leading the charge. Completely blew up in their face. Get the right man in charge. Then you'll see what, the wonders it can have on the club. And then you start to sign some key figures, just like the New England Revolution with Gustavo Bo. You look through MLS, right? And we look at guys who have been dominating the league. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, 16 goals in 18 matches. Joseph Martinez has tallied another goal uh, uh, on Saturday against the Galaxy with 18 goals in 21 matches. He scored nine straight matches. I'm matching a record that he already shared with Diego Valeri. 
but no one is even coming remotely close to LAFC's Carlos Vela, who has 22 goals, 13 assists, and 22 matches. It's ridiculous. What Vela's doing, the pace he's been at, has been insane. It's been showing in LAFC. He's been at such an insane rate that Joseph Martinez, 18 goals in, tw- nine, 18 goals in 21 games, no one's talking about it. No, no one, no one's really talking about it. It's not, it's not a big deal. Zlatan 16, 18 is almost even more phenomenal. No one's really talking about it or anything. Look, LAFC have been absolutely phenomenal this year, and the driving force is Carlos Vela. And it drives me to say, is he one of the most valuable designated players in league history? A guy who's international quality, but isn't getting international call-ups, so he's spending all his time with LAFC. Instead of, you know, having to go to other places. And this isn't a guy like a David Villa. This is a guy like Carlos Villa who's obviously clearly still in his prime. Is he the best DP in, in the in MLS? I don't know. I, I, yes. can make a very, I can make an argument. And you guys are saying yes. I can make an argument to why he is versus why he isn't. But overall, this 2019 season, give Carlos Villa the MV, MVP right now. I don't even care if he scores zero goals or zero assists rest of the season. He deserves it. This team is on fire. We're going to talk a little bit more about it later, but wow. What a season Carlos Vela is having. Armand, let me ask you this on Joseph Martinez and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Do you think they are being overlooked? I actually don't think Zlatan's being overlooked. This is maybe more so Joseph Martinez, actually. Do you think Joseph Martinez is being overlooked because of the style and the way Atlanta United plays? Do you think if Tata Martino was still there, you wouldn't have said moments ago that you feel like he's being overlooked because of the way... Atlanta United played this year versus the way they played last year? Potentially. Potentially. Let's talk about it a little bit later. We can go a little more in detail about it. Jeez, I've ever heard one. Jeez, yeah, you like that. You like that, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, question of the day. What is on your mind regarding America's top domestic league? Let us know at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. We just heard Armand's. Jake, give us yours. There are seven teams in the Eastern Conference that have a legit chance of playing for MLS Cup. Let me start by saying the East is wide bleeping open. Now, I'm looking at my Google Doc. It doesn't say bleeping. It says a a four-letter word that rhymes with luck. The East is wide open. There's not... You know, you can crucify me for for saying this. I don't think there's that many great teams in, in the Eastern Conference. Guys, seven points separate... The one-seeded Atlanta United from the eight-seeded Toronto FC. Again, we are recording this during the DC United-Philadelphia Union match that looks to be changing. It looks like Philadelphia will go atop the Eastern Conference. But even still, to put that in perspective, let's just say the Union win. Let's just say that they win. Let's, Let's say they're sitting on 42 points. The gap between the Philadelphia Union at number one in Orlando City, which is 13 points, is less than the gap between LAFC and Minnesota United in the Western Conference, which is 14 points. Just to put that into perspective, the gap there. The gap between one and two in the West is bigger than the gap between one and nine in the East. The East is wide open. It's not a good conference. And guys, notice that I said seven teams in the East have a legit chance of making MLS Cup. But I also listed the eight-seeded Toronto FC as one of those teams. And the reason being is Montreal's fake. Montreal is not very good. Do you know who Montreal reminds me of? 
the 2017 San Jose Earthquake, who made the playoffs, first of all, clinched a playoff berth on the final game of the season, finished the season with a minus 21 goal differential. Okay, let me say that again. (laughs) The San Jose Earthquakes made the playoffs with a goal differential of minus 21. Montreal has a goal differential of minus 10 so far this season. They've allowed 44 goals, which doing a quick scan of the Eastern Conference looks to be the most goals given up by an Eastern Conference team this season. Not sure about you guys, but I don't think that's going to hold up very well come time for the playoffs. And if we want to draw more comparison to the San Jose Earthquakes or what Montreal we could expect from Montreal if they do make it into the playoffs, the San Jose Earthquakes lost to the Vancouver White, uh, Whitecaps 5-0 on aggregate. Yikes. Correction there to be made, Jake. And you're not wrong here. But uh, FC Cincinnati has allowed 55 goals this season with a minus 32 goal differential. Well, I, I'm sorry. I wasn't like... <laughs> All right. I, no, you know, but I kind I, of, I kind I of ignore my son, my, my, my red-headed <laughs> stepchild at the bottom there, FC Cincinnati, that I... Oh, I was gonna make Armand, minus 32 goal differential. Who? Cincinnati? FC Cincinnati. Yikes. Oh, yeah. Listeners, it's a re-entry MLS Monday. We want to hear from you. What is on your mind regarding America's top domestic league? Let us know at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. And fellas, we're going to transition to some bigger points here in Major League Soccer. And let's begin with Frank DeBoer and Atlanta United. The divide between players and ideology. How long does Frank DeBoer stay in charge of Atlanta United? Not one, but three players have come out criticizing DeBoer. Perez became the third player to publicly criticize manager Frank DeBoer, telling MLSsoccer.com that things have changed a lot. The way the club has played the game and we don't like it. Guys, Joseph Martinez, a couple weeks ago, said Atlanta United should be always tacking. Plus, midfielder Pity Martinez, who's been somewhat up and down with the club, a lot hotter of recent, an MLS record transfer from River Plate in the offseason, told Argentinian Radio... That he doesn't agree with the board's tactics. So something has to give here. And then what, what is the funniest thing of all is this team might be the best team in the Eastern Conference. Atlanta United led MLS with 70 goals in 34 games last season. It was the second consecutive season the team scored 70 goals. They have scored 41 through 24 games this season. So unless they score... 29 goals in the next 10 games, which is very unlikely, they're not going to match the pace of 70 goals they have set through their first two seasons. But Atlanta United second place in the East with 39 points with a plus 12 goal differential. Guys, is it too wrong to say that Frank DeBoer's on the hot seat with a locker room that is seems to not like what he has designed, although they are somewhat successful? Look, uh, me and Jake have both, I think, said this on the pod, or at least privately, we both said this. We don't like the way Atlanta United plays, and it, it obviously doesn't look like the players aren't doing it either, and from what they're saying, they're not. 
I, I, I wasn't even sure if DeBoer was even the proper option when he was hired. I was surprised they didn't go with uh, uh, Barlow Shalato, current coach of the LA Galaxy, or a maybe a more Latin American-minded coach, with especially the Latin American flair that Atlanta United has. Looking at it, it might be a little unfair to say he's on the hot seat because of how good they're doing. And obviously it looks like Atlanta's going to finish out the season, whatever. But I would be very concerned if this was part of my growing, growing, growing pains. I mean, Pity Martinez literally come out multiple times and said, I don't, I don't get along. I don't like what's going on. I don't appreciate this, that. Like, there's a huge disconnect. And LGP, Leandro Gonzalez-Pierez, coming out and saying that is, I think, a very, very strong. It's very strong. And a lot of people can say, think on the surface. LGP is the voice of these Latin American players to everyone. He's a, basically the, the captain of those guys. He, he knows English. He's represented for the MLSPA. He's, like, one of those guys. And for come out and say, we don't like it. Yikes. That's a, that's not ideal. I think it might be a little unfair to say he's on the hot seat, but I, it does feel like they're being held back at some points. I know, Jake, we talked about this. It does feel like they're being held back. And you know what? Like, I, I don't think it was a good fit. And maybe, maybe it, won't happen, it won't last in the next, next season, but this season I think they'll be fine. They're not fun to watch. I don't, there's nothing about Atlanta United that I think is fun to watch whatsoever. But the, the fun, I, but here's the problem. I don't think who cares if they're fun to watch. They're getting results. If let, let's play this game, Frank DeBoer just gets hired, guys. I sit here and tell you, I make this prediction. August fourth, Atlanta United would be the second seed in the Eastern Conference with 39 points. You would sit there and say, "That's eh, not bad. New coach, transition." Okay. You take it, right? But Steven, it's it's the way they're getting their victories. There's nothing there's nothing exciting about it. And I think it's very concerning that some of the the main cogs or the, the, the cornerstones of that team are speaking out and saying, This sucks. This isn't fun. This isn't what Atlanta United's about. And one thing that I, I think should concern not only fans of Atlanta United, but Darren Eels and Arthur Blank. Atlanta United is kind of the gateway for some of these young Latin players uh, to come to MLS, especially these super talented Latin players. Like, I'm not just talking about, oh, we paid $300,000 in TAN to get this guy out of Argentina. No, no, no. We're getting, you know, we're getting Pity Martinez. We're getting Joseph Martinez. We're getting Miguel Amarone. We're getting guys that matter. We're getting guys that have talent who, you know, could possibly be playing over in Europe. And when you have a manager like Frank DeBoer that is not allowing his players to express themselves and wants to play this pragmatic, style of football, almost almost like a, a Jose Mourinho. I'm not saying it's like Jose Mourinho, but it, the, the way the players are speaking reminds me a lot of some of the players under under Jose Mourinho who were just not happy with that type of style. And I think that's concerning. I think MLS should look at that and be concerned too. Instead of playing an attack-minded uh, attack style of football, Atlanta United wants to just play for a goal, and then we're going to sit back. And then we're just going to we're gonna bunker down here and, and just grind out this result. And that's not... That shouldn't be what Atlanta United is. Atlanta United has set itself up to be an attack-minded club, a club that wants to play beautiful football. And I think it's I think Atlanta fans, Darren Eels, should be concerned that their players are speaking out against Frank DeBoer. I think MLS, the league, should be concerned about having managers like Frank DeBoer managing in the league. I think MLS really needs to look at what they're doing and say, you know, soccer's 
soccer's niche in this country, and what what gets eyes is goals. And I think we should focus on getting more goals scored in this league. And we don't want managers like Frank DeBoer, even though they may be higher profile. We should get guys in this league that can help generate, you know, m- more scoring for the league, and that that might lead to more viewership. Well, Jake. Talking about those three DPs, Barco, PD Martinez, and Joseph Martinez, it's actually the first time in three months they actually played with each other, you know, due to injuries, due to combinations of, you know, DeBoer not wanting to start PD, not wanting to start Barco together. It's a very interesting mix. The first time I started together in three months against the Galaxy. And I, I, I do think you are right, though. It is concerning when... People come out and say, hey, we, we don't like the way we were playing. Here's the thing. I I think Atlanta United is winning in spite of the system they're playing. 100%. I think they're, I think 100%. they're winning based on talent alone. I don't think I don't think Frank DeBoer's coaching is the reason why they're second in the Eastern Conference. I'm sorry. I don't. I, I think it's purely based on they have amassed the most, if not the second most talented roster in the league. And that's why they're winning games. Fellas, 72,000 showed up to watch Atlanta take on the Galaxy. Another attendance record was broken. I want to focus and shift to the Galaxy because interesting run of form. Since June, since the start of June, the Los Angeles Galaxy have lost five games and won three games. I'll get to those three wins here in a moment. Crash out of the U.S. Open Cup, 4-0 in the round of 16 against Portland. They did beat Club Tijuana in the League's Cup quarterfinal. Three wins in this span. You want to know who those wins were against? I know one of them was LAFC. One of them was LAFC. That. that was a good one. The eight. See current eight seed in the Eastern Conference, Toronto, and then the worst team in the league in FC Cincinnati. And here's the worrying thing. They just lost to Atlanta United. Okay? They have to play DC United, the Seattle Sounders, the Cruz Azul in League's Cup semifinal, LAFC and Seattle Sounders in the next month. That match against Seattle will be September 1st. So in the next month, the Los Angeles Galaxy will have defined their defined their season. DC is no tough outfit. FC Dallas is... Armand, you'd probably be the best one to describe their current season, but they're chasing the last seed in the Western Conference. Seattle Sounders, top team. LAFC, the top team. And then Seattle Sounders, once again. This LA Galaxy better figure out how to pull, pull some... Results together. If not, we're looking at the same situation as last year. Last day against the Houston Dynamo trying to get into the playoffs. The the funny thing is they're really close to announcing uh, Christian Pavon uh, to come to the Galaxy. So I think that will be an interesting signing from Boca Juniors. Uh, they're close. They're uh, basically I, what from what I've been reading that he's going to be announced for the next week or something along those lines. And he's going to you know have an impact on his last 10 matches for the Galaxy, you know, maybe he can add some more service to Zlatan and he takes some of the pressure off of him. But the Galaxy, you know, it's really interesting. I wonder if you guys agree with this take. I was reading online. 
they spent so much on bringing people to help Zlatan, but yet they're still relying on Zlatan more than ever before. They bring in a guy like Joe Corona, Antuna has has been has been brought in. Uh, they and add some defensive reinforcements in Giancarlo Gonzalez. They move Skelvic to his natural fullback position, and yet they're still like they still need Zlatan. But those Zlatan are nothing. They're they're bad. I I wonder what they're gonna do. Uh, adding Pavone's gonna help them, but they can be a team that can either win MLS Cup. Or a crash out of the first round. Makes sense by a lot of teams. But like but for the Galaxy's pedigree for having Jonathan Dos Santos, Dalton Brahimovich, now a guy like Christian Pavone, like, come on, like crashing out of the first round would be a disaster. Minus four in the goal differential, the Los Angeles Galaxy. It's not good. A team so dependent on Zlatan. I mean, the they are so dependent on Zlatan for goals. It's insane. It's ugly. Terrible. Uh listeners, come back tomorrow little tease here for you. Joel Soria of Quake's Epicenter and NBC Sports will give an in-depth take at Mateus Almeida and what he's done with the San Jose Earthquakes. Listeners, we've talked quite a bit today at Onksamp Soccer Pod. Love to get your thoughts. Another match that we followed this past weekend, Jake and Armand, was a real enticing LAFC cross-country visit to the New England Revolution. And the New England Revolution heading to this match were... On an 11-game unbeaten streak, a club record. Bruce Arena has really turned things around here. But LAFC's dominance on the road is a huge talking point. It is, because a team like LAFC, they've won so many matches on the road. You're sitting there like, how? Like, like what are they doing this differently? Especially in a league that's so... Their home field advantage is so crucial. They've won seven games on the road, and they've drawn three games. That's more than... Uh, any team. The Portland Timbers actually have won six games on the road, but it's also the style and the way they're doing it as well. Uh, LAFC, they've been dominating matches. Their goal difference currently is at plus 18 on the road. That's not even like that's not even like a normal goal difference for teams. Like, at all. Like, not even close. You see zero, negative one. The, the, I did some research, and like within the last six years, the two teams with close away goal differentials that are that high was SKC at eight plus eight and TFC at uh, plus seven of 2018 and 2017 seasons respectively. The way they impose their style, the way they dominate points on the road, it, it's shocking. It's it's shocking because MLS again, you have to go sit in these long flights, you have to sit down, be cramped, have delays. It's hard. It's hard, and yet they're still managing ways to win. I think it's another example of their dominance, and they showed it on on Saturday. Even though, and they showed how they can play different styles too, right? The Revolution they had the ball, they were pressing, but the Galaxy, you know, took advantage of the moments and played more direct in certain instances. You know, through a Diego Rossi, through a Carlos Vela, through their midfield a little bit, they played more direct, and they then they got the two zero result. You know, it's it, it's so interesting that team like LAFC can be so good on the road. And so good at home. A lot of people have pointed, I think Taylor Twillman is one of those guys, that have pointed to LAFC's lack of ability to perform when the lights were shining the brightest. And this was a big game on the road against a team that had not lost under Bruce Arena. This was a big game for both clubs. And LAFC came in and dominated, outshooting the New England Revolution 22-10. 
completed more passes than its opponents attempted and stopped the New England Revolution's 11-game unbeaten streak. LAFC is on a tear. But as much as I want to focus on LAFC's performance, I really want to talk about this New England Revolution. And Armand, in our text exchange, you are kind of buying into this New England Revolution team under Bruce Arena, and especially since the signing of Gustavo Bo. I want to hear Jake's perspective first, though, because Jake wasn't necessarily as impressed as I was. And I want to see uh, what, what, what Jake saw, because I was pleasantly surprised by the Revolution. It was the first time I actually sat down and watched him in depth under Bruce Arena. And I, I was surprised, but Jake, you weren't impressed. This was the second time I've watched the Revolution this year. The first time being their win against Minnesota United in <laughs> in March. Uh, I mean, they were fine. I thought for the first half, they were the better team. I thought they handled LAFC's pressure well, uh, relatively well. I thought their back line performed well. I thought the midfield performed pretty well, too, until you know, the 55th or 60th minute into the second half. I just thought the Revolution didn't look very threatening going forward. They They... They couldn't make that final pass. They weren't, they weren't finishing their attacks. It just, it, they looked sloppy in the final third. There was nothing about them that seemed very dangerous. It, it almost felt like they were entirely reliant on Gustavo Bo. There was the one, there was the the, the one run by Teal Bunbury with uh, with Bo on his right side, and I believe it was Segunda on LAFC was was the only man back for LAFC. And he was able to get in the middle of that passing lane for Bunbury to to get the ball over to Bo, which which forced a shot, and that went just wide of Tyler Miller there. And that seemed like the, the Revolution's best chance during that match, and that felt like that was kind of the that was the Revolution's chance to swing momentum back in their favor. But and I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I think the Revolution are bad or fake by by any means. I they just left me with, you know, wanting a little bit more, especially going forward. I, I thought they created those opportunities going forward too, and I think that's the important thing. But is it fair to say that they kind of held their own against LAFC to a degree? Absolutely. There was absolutely. I, I think they did. And this, this is a telling point. So look at how many butts are in those in the stadium. Look how many butts were at Gillette Stadium. The people up there go. And watch the New England Revolution when they're successful. So, 11 on Bean against the hottest team, one of the hottest teams ever recorded in Major League Soccer in LAFC. I, I think it's telling. And coming away from that match, if you're New England Revolution, you have to sit there and go, man, we, we could have had at least a point out of this. Mm-hmm. Maybe even three. Matt Turner, he's been an unbelievable goalkeeper for the New England Revolution. Take this in consideration, guys. He is in top five in save percentage and goals allowed. And where were the New England Revolution at the beginning of the season? They were garbage under Brad Friedel. Bruce Arena has really turned around this club. There simply should be more praise for Bruce Arena. And the thing is, it's just very subtle changes, right? He didn't overhaul the roster. He didn't. Uh, he is. He, they added Gustavo Bo, which helps, right? But like even with the way they play, right? They're not. It's not like it's insanely different from the way Brad Bradfield. They do press. They want to have the ball. He just made certain tweaks to let him come out. And I, I know I give you guys crap for saying that you know that you thought you guys thought Bradfield was a good coach at the time, like uh, last year. But yeah. 
Does mm-hmm. this show how bad of a coach Brad Friedel is? 100%. That all, all Arena has done has been very subtle changes. It's been nothing out of the ordinary. It's some, just very light changes, and now they're performing well. Armand, the same players. Armand, Armand, you know what? The New England Revolution started the season. What their record was at the start of the season. I don't remember. Two, I'm, you're eight, bad. and two. Two, eight, and two, and this team now is in the playoffs. After 12 games, they were 2-8-2. That is simply ugly. And Juan Agadello, who continues his transition to midfield, talks about how Bruce Arena has had a wildly positive effect on the revolution. I think this team, and I think Bruce Arena's plan, is not this season. Clearly, it is this season in a sense. Let's see how far we can get. But this is a several-year plan under Bruce Arena. And I think, Armand, you said it on the show several months back that Bruce Arena did not take this job if he hadn't, if he hadn't had freedom with the roster to splurge on players, to be able to make the changes that he wants. It's, it's, just, it's just fascinating to see a team that looks so bad under Brad Friedel, looks so, so better, so revitalized, so alive. Nothing that Bruce Arena has really done drastically. It's just loosened up a couple of things here or there. And I'm impressed. I'm impressed. But let's see. I would be scared to face in the playoffs. I would be scared. If I was a higher seed, I'd be scared. Especially in the Eastern Conference. I think you can say, call me crazy, the Revolution are contenders for an MLS Cup. Oh, wow. There you go. Call me crazy. Oh, wait, Marking- How come I wasn't called crazy? Because I said it about 15 minutes, 10 15 ah, minutes ago where crazy, I didn't say it. Man. I did say it. Did I not say it? Yeah, yeah you did. Oh, we said it together. Oh, wow. Well, New England Revolution's upcoming schedule. Seattle Sounders, New York Red Bulls, the Chicago Fire, Toronto FC, and NYCFC are their next five. So plenty to play for and an opportunity to go up the Eastern Conference with playing both New York clubs and obviously holding off Toronto FC for that final spot currently. Boys, I think it's time we introduce a new topic. On the show, a new segment. It's called Armand's Two Stars and One Sucker. I think we need to work on that name. But let's, yeah, for this week, too. that's what it's going to be. Armand nice. is going to give us his two stars from the weekend and a the sucker, a player or a team that didn't perform that well. Armand, give us your first star. Kai Kamara, guys. A hat trick for Colorado Rapids in their uh, plague-filled game. Uh, against the, the, the impact, the 6-3 win. I guess um, you can say the plague really helped them offensively. I, I don't know. But Kai Kamara had a hat trick, reaching double-digit goals now. Good for him, you know. An, an older an older forward. I, I love it. I love it seeing a guy like Kai Kamara score some goals. Looking for my next star, it's everyone's favorite player, Own Goal. Own Goal had a phenomenal performance against the LA Galaxy, scoring two. On the Galaxy to give Atlanta United a 3-0 win. Forget Joseph Martinez. Forget Miguel Amaron. Frank DeBoer needs to add own goal to the rotation. Dave Romney and Giancarlo Gonzalez with two own goals to help the Atlanta United in the five which, stripes. Which own goal was better? The oh, Romney's was pretty good. I thought his own goal was pretty nice. A nice little finesse and insight. Something dirty with a little slide. Yeah, wasn't bad. Give us your sucker now. So my sucker's a team, and it's the good old Houston Dynamo. 
losing to Chicago 1-0 at home, losing eight of your last ten, not looking good, lowest payroll in the league. What are the Dynamo doing? No one goes to their games. They have a downtown stadium. Ain't no one there. They lose at home. They've lost their last 10. What are they doing? Like, What's going on, Dynamo? Come on. It's not good. I want to lost the Chicago Fires past weekend. They're slowly sinking and on the verge of missing the Western Conference playoffs, which with disaster for a team that started very well and very brightly. A lot of people were like, wow, they could compete, you know, for like a Western Conference final. Nope, nope. It's not happening. They're not good enough. They're not good enough. They're they're just not good enough, guys. Well, there you have it. That's Armand's two two stars and a sucker segment. Again, we will work on the name, guys. We have to do job suggestions. We have to tweet us. Yeah, yeah. Tweet out your suggestions. Little on-air production meeting. Tweet tweet your suggestions. What you think that segment should be. And when you're tweeting us the suggestions, also let us know your thoughts on the question of the day. What is on your mind regarding MLS? so far this season we'd love to know what what you have to say about that at unc sam soccer pod be on the lookout tomorrow we talk a lot of san jose earthquakes and matias almeida with joel soria of quakes epicenter plus wednesday jordan gardner owner of danish second division side fc helsinger joins us to talk a little bit more about his club why he bought it what their mission is that whole thing so be on the lookout for that Make sure you follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. You can follow Stephen Jodderan at Stephen Jodderan. You can follow Armand Kafai at Armand Kafai. And you can follow yours truly at Jake Watroba. For Stephen and Armand, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.